Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.43 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is, what is it? God, it's the 23rd of September, 2021. And this is episode 482 of Bitcoin. And thank you. I've got, wow, but did I get some support yesterday? Um, Turns out (laughs) that uh, when I put up my Patreon page uh, back up uh, within 24 hours, I got, you know, three Patreons or patrons or whatever you want to call them. Uh, I already had one. <laughs> My friend for uh, has been contributing for 63 straight months, a dollar a month, right? And I told you about that yesterday. But by the end of uh, by the end of yesterday, I had four patrons total. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you, hey, you got to start somewhere, right? I mean, it's not like I was going to open up the page and it was going to be like some kind of deluge of of support. No, where the deluge of support came in was my freaking tipping me page. Holy shit, dude. I hadn't I hadn't looked at it like pretty much through the entirety of the summer. Dude, there were like 183 bucks on there worth of crisp, nice, beautiful Satoshis, which I immediately transferred to my lightning node so that I can open up some lightning channels to El Salvador. Let's talk about that for a sec. El Salvador looks like it's doing we're not sure we we've seen like a couple of you know news stories about uh, long lines at El Salvadoran ATMs and speculation abounds as to what they're using the ATMs for are they you know putting their dollars in there to uh get satoshis on their you know wallets or is it the other way around and nobody seems to really know or at least as of yesterday and I I can't find anything about it today but one thing was clear you had like people like waiting an hour in line for a single bitcoin atm to become available because it was just person after person after person which started me thinking because i was listening to citadel dispatch uh i can't remember the episode i want to say it's 39 but i'm probably wrong i'm sorry matt if i got that wrong but Essentially, it was the last one that dropped, uh, and I think it did drop yesterday, and it's about uh, being a Lightning Node operator, which I'm really interested in. And they went over PlebNet and uh, Ring of Fire, and I told you about Ring of Fire, God, months ago. Uh, but PlebNet, uh, I was unaware of until, I don't know, they I started hearing stuff on the street about it, you know, a few months, you know, a couple of months back. And uh, I joined the Telegram group and all that. And between these two groups, that's a lot of people that are are really, you know, playing around with lightning. And, you know, even at at that time and more so today, am I thinking how important it's probably going to be to have, you know, a lot of channels 
uh, on your lightning node that are that are dual funded some you know some can be single funded coming your way some can be single funded going you know that's an outflow from you your node uh, a good mix is probably good but i started really thinking especially about that the whole atm operator or the whole atm thing in el salvador yesterday that <clears throat> Of all the places that we could probably be opening up lightning channels to that are going to have full effect in the future, I'm thinking it's probably a good idea to start looking for people in El Salvador, node operators in El Salvador, to start opening uh, channels with. Now, is that the best idea in the world? Well, I don't think it's the best idea. I think it's fraught with difficulty insofar as I don't know any of these people. And I mean, you know... Although we do have watchtowers, but the the point being is is going to be a malicious, you know, will there be malicious closings, you know, and all that kind of stuff? I don't know, but I'm starting to get to the point where I'm thinking that it's going to be worth it to make the chance to take the chances to open up payment channels from the United States to El Salvador, because if El Salvador starts, <clears throat> if there are a whole bunch of node operators down in El Salvador start opening nodes between themselves and we start plugging into that network, then when they start opening uh, nodes to Ecuador, Honduras, Guatemala, and all that shit that, you know, they're, you know, they're people, countries that they're closer to, uh, then all of a sudden you're, you're plugged into that network all of a sudden. And right now, Bitcoin fees <clears throat> on the main chain are low, which means that the opening channels are much cheaper than they will be in the future. So here's the call. <clears throat> the call to action is, how can we go and discover the big the the bitcoin full nodes and the lightning nodes in el salvador that we know are are either physically located down there or are operated by expatriates of el salvador living in other parts of the world that are servicing el salvador by <clears throat> opening channels to people that are down there and plug into them so Cheese Robot, um, if you don't know what Cheese Robot is, it's a bot on Telegram that is used to kind of graph this stuff out. If you are a Cheese Robot expert, can you go through and start looking for, like, I don't know, some, like, nodes that have been tagged as El Salvadoran somehow and come up with a list of nodes of El Salvadoran Bitcoin full nodes and Lightning nodes that are down there so that we can start querying these people and asking to open up channels with them because if we can front run the remittance game right now with open channels especially before bitcoin fees rise again dude this okay you're just you're just cementing your feet firmly in the future of money the future of remittance the future of cross-border payments the future of everything so that's the call to action. Find El Salvadoran lightning nodes and let's start opening channels with them. Okay, now, <clears throat> on to the news. It's the news that you can use, but we're going to start with Roy Scheinfeld's piece here from uh, Breeze Technology. It's their uh, blog. I, I guess it's their blog. But Lightning in the Wild, number three. A creative family innovates with Breeze. Fun fact that sounds more like urban legend. <clears throat> Bubble wrap wasn't invented as a fun thing to pop, and it wasn't even originally intended to be packaging material. No, 
It was originally designed back in the 1950s as wallpaper. It was then marketed as a way to keep greenhouses warm and bright following the marketing wisdom of if your niche is too small, find an even smaller one. In the last 60 years, bubble wrap has taken the world by storm, serving a purpose the inventors never envisioned. And it has spawned further related innovations like the perpetual bubble wrap fidget toy. There's a lesson in the frivolous anecdote. You can gain power by relinquishing control. Let your creation grow organically and it might surprise you. When we started Breeze, we called it a Bitcoin payment platform. That's still true. Just like you can indeed cover your walls with bubble wrap. We've since added some further functions, but much, if not most, of the innovations come not from how Breeze is designed, but from how it's used. Breeze and the Lightning community are tinkering with this technology and putting it out into the world. The magic happens out there when you all start adapting it to your own lives. Victoria Kayak and From the Jump uh, podcast each showed commercial uses for Lightning, albeit in very different businesses. Most users, though, are just people moving sats around, so we wanted to take a closer look at how one guy and one cool family interact with Lightning via Breeze. What creative ways have they found to plug our Bitcoin thingy into their lives? Matthew Haywood, a charming Welsh writer and developer, agreed to share how he uses Breeze to connect to the broader Bitcoin community and his own family. The result is as touching as it is impressive. Matthew started out with software in a more general sense before making Bitcoin his life. In 2017, I had my own software company that I had been running for several years, and I was spending more and more time reading and thinking about Bitcoin and less and less time focusing on the company. So when I was made a couple of offers to do things in the Bitcoin space, I quickly made my favorite obsession my job. I'm now one of those annoying people that enjoy their job. (laughs) Humblebrag, or rather, hashtag humblebrag, Welcome to the community of annoying people who love their job. About 70% of zookeepers are members. Among people in the Bitcoin community, it's asymptotically high. Matthew was already experimenting with Lightning back in 2017, and he started using Breeze soon after we had released our Android and iOS apps. I started using Breeze in late 2019. In fact, I still have the same channel open and I've done nearly 900 lightning transactions using it. I've topped up my balance a couple of times, but either way, I have certainly got value for money out of the fees I paid to open channels. <clears throat> His prior experience with lightning and Bitcoin was perhaps a, a disadvantage though, because he was pretty concerned at first about the technical issues that Breeze had already solved and buried in the back end. When I first started using Breeze, I was messaging their support group every day, asking questions like, how do I get inbound capacity? How do I manage my channels? And kept getting the reply, you don't need to. We manage it for you in the background. After a few days of that, I finally understood what the idea behind an LSP or lightning service provider was, and I left the Breeze team in peace. Don't sweat it. We've held many hands and soothed many troubled minds. It's part of the job and we don't mind. Soon, however... Matthew learned how simple Lightning can be. The most important feature for me is ease of use. This is why I have been such a big fan of Breeze over the years. You install it and you can receive Bitcoin over Lightning. It took me a while to let my experience with early Lightning network interactions fade away. And now I don't even think of the things happening automagically behind the scenes. That's what a good front end should do, I think. Abstract away the complexity so you don't even think there's anything complicated going on. That's it.
Lightning is basically simple tech. <clears throat> so Matthew has performed about 900 transactions in two years. That's a little more than one transaction each day. We didn't ask for the proportions, but many of those are likely to be simple payer to recipient micropayments, the bread and butter of Lightning. But like bubble wrap, which very simple, uh, which is very simple, effectively adjust badly bonded shower curtains, Lightning can serve other cool creative purposes. Matthew is a true Lightning innovator and his family is his laboratory, so check this out. I've been paying my son's allowance in Bitcoin since 2019 using Breeze. He didn't need to do anything other than install the app and then straight away he could receive Bitcoin. Magic! Before that, he was getting it over the main Bitcoin network and it was costing me quite a bit in fees. Young Master Haywood then spends his sats on typical teenager stuff, but he's also learning about what intertemporal currency arbitrage, a topic near to any hodler's heart. He uses the sats he saves to buy Xbox games, in-game items, food or clothing vouchers, etc. using the built-in BitRefill app. Initially, he used to spend most of what he got as soon as he got it. But as the price of Bitcoin continued to rise, those old 10-pound Fortnite skins he'd bought with his sats suddenly seemed very expensive purchases. He spends less and saves more now. It might sound like marketing copy from PR department at Bitcoin Corp, but we have documentary evidence, and I'm not going to play the, uh, the video that they're providing, so you just, we're just going to have to skip over it. As we've seen in every interview so far, <clears throat> Matthew is also paying his knowledge forward. He's teaching the next generation about the cool stuff that his own generation has built so that they continue in innovating. Anyone receiving cash, though, needs bank, right? Indeed, but with Lightning, you can be your own bank, as in Matthew's case, your family's bank. The best bit is as soon as he is given Great British Pounds by family, he passes it to me and asks for the amount in Bitcoin. So I'm acting like his GBP to Bitcoin to GBP exchange. I do wonder how much use his generation will have for traditional fiat banks in the future. <clears throat> Hopefully not too much. Lightning fuses sand into fulgurite and the Lightning Network fuses families closer together. What bank would be complete Without an investment division, I'm topping up my own SATS balance by using some lucky low leverage LN markets trading from within Breeze. And when the market turns against me, I've recently started buying uh, Aztec Bitcoin vouchers from Poundland stores, which you can buy with cash and scan in Breeze uh, to immediately receive over Lightning. The extras like built-in Lightning apps and the brilliant podcast layer are just an indication of how Lightning is advancing at a fast pace. In the last year or so, Breeze has gone from being my Lightning wallet to also being my podcast player, small trading platform with LN markets to birthday voucher shop via BitRefill, all natively using Lightning. <clears throat> like us... He thinks paying creators for their work is fair. It's just the subscription-based aggregators that aren't. And like us, Matthew also seems to suspect that we can improve other kinds of content consumption with the value-for-value value model. I really like that I can just hit a boost button on a podcast to tip the creator. Some people wonder why people would pay for content that is free, but I know Bandcamp sees people pay more than the recommended price for albums of artists they like, and I think it's the same spirit here. Well, that's the whole idea. Wouldn't it be cool if musicians and videographers could profit from the same model that podcasters already enjoy? <laughs> Stay tuned. Matthew 
has also picked up on how Lightning can also perform functions beyond payments. One thing that really surprised me was signing into sites like LNURL, like LNMarkets.com. The more things like that that add some privacy and let my keys sign me in instead of an email and password that can be stolen from a site, the better, I think. Indeed, that's one of the new uses <clears throat> many people are discovering. Breeze can be used for lightning fast payments, but it turns out it's also making passwords obsolete, thank God. He's also got some ideas about facilitating new payment scenarios. I would love an easy way to pay someone when they aren't online. The Breeze Connect to Pay feature is a step in the right direction. I use that once a week at the minute, and it works pretty well, but something that works across all lightning wallets would be great. I think content providers, blog writers, journalists who are not very Bitcoin savvy need an easier way to get paid over Lightning given the global time zones of their audience. <clears throat> a really easy way to pay someone without them having to do anything would be pretty cool. Pay to a Lightning name slash address or something that works across all wallets would be amazing, for example. Something someone could just see in a Twitter profile and tip. Interesting point. For content in discrete units like microblogs, services like Twitter, Medium, and Substack have tolerable solutions that just need to integrate Lightning as a payment method. Apparently, Jack is on it, and by Jack, he means Twitter founder Jack <clears throat> Dorsey. Streamed content is perhaps the most interesting case because fiat subscriptions are way inadequate which gives instant settlement in Lightning an undeniable advantage. Consider our podcast player, Proof of concept for what's coming. People, or rather, sorry, uh, perhaps one indicator of a technology's importance is the range of different unforeseen purposes that it can later serve. Once you bond those shower curtains together, people will start experimenting with the result. By mobilizing Bitcoin, Lightning is initiating a process of distributed innovation with unlimited potential. Anywhere there's value, Lightning can help to move it. And there's value almost everywhere. Well, except perhaps TMZ. VCs and tech pundits like to talk in terms of use cases, but the problem with use cases is that they're limited to our imagination, to the uses of technology we as developers can anticipate. Matthew and the Haywood clan show the limits of thinking that way. Not only are they using Breeze in ways we didn't foresee when we launched the app, <clears throat> but, <clears throat> but they're using it to interact with each other, to strengthen their relationship and stay connected. You can't capture that kind of value in a use case or a revenue projection. You only learn when you ask and your users are gen generous enough to share it with you. So there's one family's adventure into using Lightning via the Breeze wallet. Uh, the Breeze wallet is pretty cool. I do advise people to pick it up and go play with it because it has a native podcast player inside of it. And with that, you can stream me Satoshis while I stream you these dulcet tones, right? And the great thing about it is that the, my Breeze wallet just acts as an intermediary between you, your sats, and a channel to my Lightning uh, node. It never really, the, my, my Breeze wallet is really only reading what's going on on my Lightning node, you know, my Lightning balance. It's not custodial. It's not holding. It can't, I suppose it can be, but that's not the way that I'm using it. I can just use it as a window as to what's going on into my lightning node. And I have that window because I set Breeze up to talk to my lightning node. And not only does it talk to my lightning node, it directs traffic of Satoshis to go directly to my lightning node, bypassing Breeze altogether. And I just use Breeze 
as a wallet connected to my Lightning node. See how that works? Plus, it's got <clears throat> it's got a podcast player inside of it, so I can stream. I don't know uh, Guy Swan Satoshi's while I listen to to his podcast. So that's one way that you can support all of us, not just me. You don't. I mean, it's like I set up the Patreon because some people they just didn't want to use. They weren't. It's not that they didn't want to use Lightning. They were just not set up to use it. They're too busy to learn. That's okay. I mean, there's a, a podcaster that I listen to that says uh, all the time, uh, you have to teach people how to interact with you economically. And you also have to provide them the avenues that they are comfortable with. And if you are comfortable with Fiat and you want to be a patron, you can go to my Patreon page. If you are a Lightning user and you're comfortable using that to support me, you can just stream me Satoshis through the Breeze app or any podcast 2.0 app for that matter it doesn't have to be breeze so i'm trying to provide oh and and my tipping there's my tipping me page there's a couple of other ways i won't get into right now because we got to move on but i'm just saying the whole world is opening up so that we don't have to have gatekeepers anymore right you don't i don't have to run to a radio station and beg them for airtime fuck them you know, I got 400 and this is be the 482nd episode that I've done by myself without a producer, without a radio station, without any kind of other, you know, terrestrial means of, <clears throat> of transmission, except for the internet. I'm just saying we don't need gatekeepers anymore. The gatekeepers are all already dead. They just don't know it yet. Sooner or later, they'll figure it out, I suppose. Now, <clears throat> let's move on. PSV. Football club, which is a Dutch football club, holds Bitcoin on its balance sheet. This is from Bitcoin Magazine, by the way, written by Namcios. God, he's prolific. In August, prominent Dutch football club PSV announced a partnership with Bitcoin Exchange Anycoin Direct, which became the club's official partner for the following two seasons. The exchange paid the sponsorship contract entirely in Bitcoin a first among the major European football clubs, and PSV has recently confirmed that Bitcoin to Bitcoin Magazine that BTC is still held on the club's balance sheet. Quote, the possibilities in the future that the world of cryptocurrency offers is very promising, says Franz Jansen, commercial director of PSV, when he signed the sponsorship agreement. Quote, as a club in the heart of the Brainport region, we are always innovating and cryptocurrency fit well, fits well with this picture. In quote, Jansen created the necessary Bitcoin wallets immediately after signing the contract to receive the proceeds in BTC sovereignly. The club has been self-custodying all the Bitcoin received through the sponsorship since August with no plans to sell it. Quote, any coin paid their sponsor rights to us via a certain number of Bitcoin, which we hold in our wallet, Jansen told Bitcoin Magazine. PSV's pioneering move in the European Union was recently shared as a success case in the most prominent marketing and insights event in the Netherlands, MIE, fulfilling the club's initial intention of increasing Bitcoin awareness in the European Union. Quote, growing up in the region, PSV has always been very close to me, said Lernert Vlemming, COO of Anycoin in August. As a technology company from the Brainport area, we are very excited to be working with PSV. The payment in Bitcoin marks the next step for the adoption of cryptocurrency in the EU. End quote. <clears throat> 
PSV's pioneering move is set to prompt other clubs to adopt Bitcoin mainly because of game theory. As BTC keeps gaining purchasing power against the euro, clubs without Bitcoin exposure will be at a disadvantage. This will likely be demonstrated in transfer windows when PSV might secure better players because of the price-appreciated BTC in its balance sheet. The Eindhoven Football Club, or PSV, is a 108-year-old club from Eindhoven, Netherlands that plays in the Erdervice, I know I butchered that one, the top-tier league in Dutch football, which it has won 24 times. Holy shit. In addition to national trophies, the club has also won the UEFA Cup in 1978 and the European Cup in both 87 and 88. Actually, probably, I guess that's during the 87-88 season. I'm not sure. I am not somebody who watches European football. The only football that I like is college football in the United States. So that's, I'm just saying. And it's not that I don't think that you're, you know, that actual football, you know, European style football is, is bad. It's just, I don't know, man, there's just something about it that I just, it's not exciting to me, which is like probably a cultural thing. I don't know, but whatever. The FCA chief reminds crypto investors that they could lose all their money. No, you think you think Scott Cipollina is going to tell us about the Captain Obvious here from Decrypt.co? <clears throat> Nikhil Rothy, CEO of the Financial Conduct Authority or the FCA, uh, reiterated the regulator's firm stance on cryptocurrencies during a speech in London. As you will all know, we have warned repeatedly investors in crypto products must be ready to lose all of their money, he said at the Mansion House in London yesterday. He added that the FCA has often been criticized for acting slowly or with too much aversion, but that this is changing, and the FCA is now applying a much much stricter approach in dealing with serious misconduct. Rothy's comments come after a long line of crypto-related clampdowns issued by the FCA dating back to as early as January of this year. To kick off 2021, the FCA listed a list of five concerns consumers should keep in mind when dealing with cryptocurrencies. These five concerns were a lack of consumer protection, price volatility, product complexity, charges and fees, and misleading marketing material. Quote, investing in crypto assets or investments and lending linked to them generally involve taking very high risks with investors' money. If consumers invest in these types of products, they should be prepared to lose all of their money, the FCA said at the time. Two months later, the FCA started applying some regulatory pressure on crypto assets. In a March announcement, the regulator said crypto firms would now be required to provide annual financial crime reports, a commonplace requirement in the world of finance, but a controversial issue in the crypto space. This summer, the FCA turned its attention towards Binance, one of the crypto industry's most well-known and most used cryptocurrency exchanges. In June, the FCA issued a consumer warning to Binance Markets Limited, a Binance entity that was acquired to own and operate a bespoke crypto exchange for UK customers. The regulator told Decrypt its ban was based on the firm's approach or lack of approach to appropriate anti-money laundering standards. Quote, putting two and two together, we obviously have issues with with standards in that area, a spokesperson for the FCA told Decrypt. Last month, the FCA doubled down on its Binance stance, claiming that the crypto exchange is not capable of being regulated after BML reportedly refused to provide a basic information about its business. 
Quote, the FCA considers that the firm's response have been incomplete and have included direct refusals to provide information. These include failures to provide details about how the business and group are organized, the FCA said in a supervisory notice. Binance has also repeatedly failed to reply to Decrypt's multiple requests for information and how the business and group are organized. So there you go. Now here's, so what do I got to say about it? Yeah, they're right. 99.999% of this space is a total fraud. It's complete bullshit and needs to go away, but it's not. It's not going to go away. See, this is the problem. And, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it later. Uh, let's see. Do I need to do uh, numbers now or later? Let's see. Hold on. Yeah, let's do this one first because it, this one illustrates sort of what's, what's going on. Uh, from Cointelegraph, Samuel Haig is going to tell us why the FCA <clears throat> has a good point, a very good point, that you will probably lose all of your money. Why? Because almost half of crypto owners turn to celebrities like Kim Kardashian for advice, says the survey. Jesus. A new survey has revealed bleak insights into the apparent willingness of retail investors to follow digital asset advice from the social media accounts of celebrities and influencers. Are you kidding me? <clears throat> according to a morning consult, uh, sorry, according to a morning consultant survey of 2,200 U.S. adults, 45% of crypto holding respondents indicated that they would likely seek exposure to a digital asset if it is endorsed by a celebrity compared to just 20% of participants overall. There were some more promising results with three quarters of crypto investors indicating that they were likely to invest based on a family member or friend's recommendation, while 81% would invest in response to advice from a financial advisor. Almost 20% of all respondents and nearly one third of crypto owners said that they were aware of a post published to Kim Kardashian's Instagram account sparuking the ERC-20 Ethereum max token in early june an astonishing 19 percent of respondents who saw the instagram ad admitted to having invested in ethereum max afterward however they comprised just 3.8 percent of the overall sample the post and project have been embroiled in controversy ever since the price of emacs saw meteoric growth after being announced on May the 26th as the exclusive cryptocurrency accepted for online ticket purchasing for the cash grab boxing match between undefeated boxer Floyd Mayweather and YouTuber Logan Paul on June the 6th. While Emacs has traded for, little, for as little as point and a whole bunch of zeros, <laughs> there's nine zeros. Okay, so 0 0.9073 prior to the announcement. News of its affiliation with the boxing event saw prices skyrocket above 0.6085 by June the 1st, again exceeding 116,000% in just one week. After Ethereum Max then shed more than 99% of its value in the next two weeks, Kardashian published the ad on June 13th to her $250 million million followers that highlighted the 50% of Emacs tokens held by the project's admin while it had been burned. <clears throat> while the token was trading as low as 70, or rather 0 0.7076 before the Instagram post went live, according to Corey Market Cap. Emacs rallied to 0.6 zeros 
and 235. By June the 14th, a 3,000% gain in less than two days. Emacs has consistently trended downward since mid-June with the token last trading at 0.7021, a 91% drawdown from local highs. The incident did not go unnoticed by financial regulators, with the head of the United Kingdom's Financial Conduct Authority, Charles Randall, describing the Kardashians' Instagram post as possibly the single financial promotion with the biggest audience reach in history. And he added, I can't say whether this particular token, Ethereum Max, is a scam, but social media influencers are routinely paid by scammers to help them pump and dump new tokens on the back of pure speculation. Some influencers promote coins that turn out simply not to exist at all. Kim Kardashian is not the first celebrity to draw the ire of financial watchdogs for promoting crypto assets. In 2018, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission charged Floyd Mayweather and musician DJ Khalid unlawfully promoting the Centra initial coin offering the previous year. The SEC has warned celebrities that they must disclose paid promotions for ICOs on social media. Many celebrities are now spiruking their own non-fungible tokens amid the NFT boom. Spiruking. I can't pronounce that shit. Let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids down a bit, 0.69% to the downside for West Texas Intermediate, $71.73 a barrel. Likewise, Brent North Sea is down 0.63%, $75.71 a barrel. Natural gas, a little bit of recovery, 0.17% to the upside, $4.81 per thousand cubic feet. And gasoline has dropped by over a full point, $2.10 for a gallon uh, shiny metal rocks are all down except platinum. Uh, gold is down a quarter of a point. Silver is down three quarters of a point. Platinum is up scant. Copper is down a third of a point, and palladium is down well over two full points. Agricultural futures are mixed, but it's really there's just not nothing going on in there percentage wise. Now we get to indices. Dow futures up a half. S and P futures up a half. Nasdaq futures up a half and S&P mini up a half. It looks like they're all linked together because apparently the Fed said some things and reached for stuff yesterday. I'm not sure exactly what. We're not going to get into it. $43,000, sorry, $43,735 is the price of Bitcoin right now. So we've had a little bit of a recovery. 264,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is about 11,000 transactions on average every hour. 1,098,000 BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. That's 45,700 BTC being sent every hour on the hour per av- on average. The average transaction value is 4.16 BTC. The median transaction value is 0.015 BTC or about 640 bucks. Block times are low again, 9 minutes and 36 seconds. <clears throat> We have 0.09 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 13.66 in fees taken overall in the last 24 hours, with only a 0.56% rise in hash rate. We're up to 125 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge at 0.221 US dollars. 
or roughly 22 cents. Clark Moody showing 1,485 transactions waiting on two blocks to clear the market capitalization of Bitcoin of $821.8 billion, which is just a hair over 7% of gold's market cap. And you can, if you so wish, buy 24.6 ounces of shiny metal rock with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,823,804 BTC in circulation. And 2,770 of those are locked in the Lightning Network at a capacity value of $121 million. Holy shit. 15,051 or 519 nodes uh, is what we can see. And there's, wow, we crossed 72,000 channels, yo. 72,040 payment channels are now available. Uh, Tor capacity is 73.6% of the Lightning Network is being run over Tor. And that means that 2,039 and a half BTC are shoved inside of the Tor side of the Lightning Network being handled by 10,103 nodes that we know about. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of this news that you can use. <clears throat> Alert! Bitcoin.org has been taken over maliciously by scammers. Unbelievable fuck up by whoever was in charge. This is really bad, says Francis Pouliot. Uh, Bitcoin, or rather BTC Times, Thomas M. has the story. Bitcoin.org displays a giveaway scam. Yeah, this, this has happened. The website which has been a popular destination for those seeking information on Bitcoin, not least thanks to its domain name, now displays a pop-up asking visitors to send money to a Bitcoin address, which it says will then be doubled and sent back. The scheme is a popular approach by scammers as once funds are sent, the transaction is final and there is no way to reclaim the money. This particular type of giveaway scam was also used in the infamous Twitter incident in July 2020, in which multiple verified accounts with large followings were accessed to post similar fake giveaways. Graham Ivan Clark, a then 17-year-old, collaborated with two others to access a number of Twitter's internal tools that allowed them to reset email addresses <clears throat> and post the tweets. The trio managed to attack around $100,000 worth of Bitcoin at the time. The address involved in the Bitcoin.org giveaway scam has so far received over 0.405 Bitcoin in funds. Notably, 0.4 Bitcoin were sent to the transaction in one go, followed by six smaller transactions in the uh, multiple zeros after the, after the period uh, type thing, like 0.002 Bitcoin range. At press time, an outgoing transaction looked to move all received funds away from the address is pending on the Bitcoin blockchain. Bitcoin.org is <clears throat> owned by pseudonymous Twitter, co uh, Twitter user Cobra. The domain recently became subject to legal attention following allegations of copyright infringement by the notorious Craig Wright, who has initiated multiple lawsuits over the years to prove he is the pseudonymous Bitcoin creator Satoshi Nakamoto as part of his pursuit. Wright has made numerous claims, such as statement, statements that he owned but couldn't access the private keys to Bitcoin addresses associated with Satoshi Nakamoto, and that he wrote the Bitcoin white paper, but also that Satoshi plagiarized him when writing the Bitcoin white paper. In June of this year, a UK court 
had no choice but to order Bitcoin.org to remove the white paper from U- for UK visitors as Cobra had failed to make an appearance in court. It is currently unclear how the malicious takeover of Bitcoin.org came about. Cobra has not publicly commented on the developments as of yet. So Bitcoin.org got hit with a Bitcoin scam. Man, that's just sad, dude. But <clears throat> hey, I guess shit happens. It's going to happen to people that are eating sushi. Sushi Swap denies reports of billion-dollar bug, says Samuel, Samuel Haig from Cointelegraph. One of the developers behind popular decentralized exchange Sushi Swap has rejected a purported vulnerability reported by a white hat hacker snooping through their smart contracts. According to media reports, the hacker claimed to have identified a vulnerability that could place more than $1 billion worth of user funds under threat stating they went public with the information after attempts to reach out to SushiSwap's developers resulted in inaction. The hacker claims to have identified a vulnerability within the emergency withdrawal function in two of SushiSwap's contracts, MasterChef V2 and MiniChef V2, contracts that govern the exchange's 2x reward farms and the pools on SushiSwap's non-Ethereum deployments such as Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, and Avalanche. While the emergency withdrawal function allows liquidity providers to immediately claim their liquidity provider tokens while forfeiting rewards in the event of an emergency, the hacker claims the feature will fail if no rewards are held within the SushiSwap pool, forcing liquidity providers to wait for the pool to be manually refilled over a roughly 10-hour process before they can withdraw their tokens. Quote, It can take approximately 10 hours for all signature holders to consent to refilling the rewards account, and some reward pools are empty multiple times a month, the hacker claimed, adding, quote, SushiSwap's non-Ethereum deployments and 2x rewards, all using vulnerable mini and master chef V2 contracts, hold over 1 billion, that's billion with a B in total value. This means that this value is essentially untouchable for 10 hours, several times a month, end quote. However, SushiSwap's pseudonymous developer has taken to Twitter to reject the claims, with the platform's shadowy super coder Mudit Gupta stressing that the threat described is not a vulnerability and that, of course, no funds are at risk. Gupta clarified that anyone can top up the pool's rewarder in the event of an emergency, bypassing much of the 10-hour multisig process the hacker claimed is needed to replenish the rewards pool, and they added, quote, The hackers claim that someone can put in a lot of IP to drain the rewarder faster is incorrect. Reward per per LP, sorry, not IP, per LP goes down if you add more LP, end quote. The hacker said that they have been instructed to report the vulnerability on bug bounty platform ImmuneiFi, where SushiSwap is offering to pay rewards of up to $40,000 to users who report risky vulnerabilities in its code after they first reached out to the exchange. They noted that the issue was closed on Immunify without compensation, with SushiSwap stating that it was aware of the matter described. Oh my. Yeah, this isn't good on two different fronts. First, the vulnerability itself puts at risk, what, $1 billion? And you got 10 hours to get it if the hacker's right, okay? I don't know, don't know anything about these contracts. I'm just reporting on you what, what, what I'm finding out. But the thing that's really weird is that they're they're aware of the information, so therefore they didn't pay said hacker for the information. I don't know, man. 
I smell yet another DeFi hack in the making. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. All right, over, <clears throat> over to the Middle East. UAE regulators approve crypto trading in Dubai free zone, says Helen Parks from Cointelegraph. Financial regulators in the United Arab Emirates have reached an agreement to officially allow and support cryptocurrency trading in an economic free zone in Dubai. The Dubai World Trade Center Authority announced on September the 22nd that it signed an agreement with the UAE's Securities and Commodities Authority to support the regulation and trading of crypto assets within the, uh, the Dubai World Trade Center Authority's free zone. The new initiative establishes a framework enabling the DWTCA to issue necessary approvals and licenses for financial activities related to cryptocurrencies as part of the agreement. The SCA will also supervise major crypto-related activities like issuance, listing, trading, and licensing. According to the announcement, the agreement was signed by SCA's acting CEO, Maryam Al-Sawadi, DWTCA Director General Khalid Salid Amari, as well as an executive at the Dubai Department of Tourism and Commerce Marketing. Al-Sawadi said that the new project comes in line with DWTCA's commitment to expand its services as a free zone and support new technologies, oh God, like non-fungible tokens. Quote, as Dubai continues to drive towards scamming, I mean an innovation and digital-led economy, DWTCA is looking to support businesses underpinned by blockchain and cryptographic technologies, he said. The DWTCA and the, SEC, the SCA did not immediately respond to Cointelegraph's request for comment. Their authorities previously entered a similar agreement to stimulate the crypto industry development in the Dubai Airport Free Zone Authority in May. The new agreement further reinforces the UAE's growing commitment to become a crypto-friendly global hub. In April, Minister of Economy Abdullah bin Tak al-Amari <clears throat> declared the cryptocurrencies and asset tokens will be key to the country's plans to double its economy in 10 years. The local stock exchange, Nasdaq Dubai, subsequently listed a public Bitcoin fund by Canadian Digital Asset Investment Fund Manager 3IQ in June. Oh, oh, so now even the guys over, over in freaking Dubai get exposure. Jeez, God dang. You know, the United, I mean, okay, look, I get the sentiment about Bitcoin doesn't need an ETF. I understand it. However, it's just embarrassing to watch Canada get three, Brazil get one, and Dubai get exposure to the three IQ Canadian Bitcoin ETF before the SEC and the United States can get off of the toilet. It's embarrassing, guys. This It's just as embarrassing as having Bitcoin.org hosting a pop-up scam on their website. Dude, that's just wrong. <laughs> wow. Okay, Melanion Capital's CEO disagrees with Ray Dalio. Regulators will not kill Bitcoin. This is out of Crypto Potato. Author is <clears throat> Dimitri Dahar. Sorry, I'm not going to be able to do it. Jad Comer, founder and CIO of Melanion Capital, opined that regulators would not kill Bitcoin if it became too successful. Such a move would be possible only in some authoritarian nations, while the USA and developed G7 countries would never take such a harsh step. Yeah, be careful, dude. Ray Dalio believes that if Bitcoin gains mainstream success, regulators and governments would ultimately take control of it. Furthermore, authorities would kill the asset 
as they have ways of killing it. However, not everyone agrees with this assessment. Now, I'm going to pause right there to talk about this because this has been bugging me forever. The fuck Ray Dalio knows about the tools that the United States government has to quote-unquote kill Bitcoin. First of all, we all know it can't be done. Second, that statement, even if you do know, all right, even if it is possible and that you do know, is reprehensible to say on the air on, on over over public channels in an uncoded fashion. You don't know what the government has, Ray Dalio, and if you do, then what's your security clearance? I'm sorry, man. This is bullshit. The minute that Ray Dalio uttered those words, they have ways of killing it. I was I knew that Ray Dalio is one of the people that's rich because they're lucky, because they had friends not necessarily because they were just brilliant masterminds of the financial world. Apparently being a brilliant financial you know, mastermind of the financial world is picking which parties to go to and making sure that you say at least two sentences that make people think that you're really, really fucking smart. I'm, I am convinced that 80% of the world's financial elite have absolutely no clue what they're doing. They were born with money and they just did what their daddy told them to do and they learned from their dad how to basically get on their knees and service people with cash. And I think Ray Dalio at this point is one of those people because there's the, uh, here's the whole other issue. Ray Dalio owns Bitcoin, yet he says that the government, if it's successful, will kill it. Why would you hold an asset that you think is, if it's successful, it will be killed? Why would you hold it? If, if Ray Dalio was smart, he would sell his Bitcoin right now because the government has ways of killing it. Do you see how this works? Don't, just because Ray Dalio is Ray Dalio and these people are ultra rich does not mean that you're beholden to listen to a single fucking thing that they say. You are not. You can make your own decisions. You're grown men and women. There's nothing, there's, there, it's not all that hard. But the two, that, that whole thing from Ray Dalio, that just stuck me in the craw. I was listening to a, a transcript of it yesterday and I'm like, I had this, the same two things. I'm like, first of all, why would you hold an asset that you find valuable that you think is going to be made illegal by the United States government because you know that they have ways of killing it? See, there's no way that you can unwrap that present without getting a pile of shit inside, okay? According to Jad Comer, Chief Information Officer of the French investment management company Molinai and Capital, such an event sounds very extreme. He pointed out that the USA has actually embraced Bitcoin in its financial system. <clears throat> Many American investors have allocated a significant amount of funds into the crypto market. With that said, banning digital assets would have a negative impact on the economic network. Quote, I think overall, that is a very extreme scenario, and I do not see a developed uh, country like the U.S. or even the G7 countries take such a harsh and strong step. This is a very hypothetical scenario, and I just don't see it happening. The Frenchman added that most governments impose rules on digital assets not because they are against them, but because they want to protect investors who deal with them. In fact, Regulations would be highly beneficial. Oh, great. Once you have the right regulation, it could unleash the full power of crypto, says Jad Comer. 
Comair is not the only person who has disagreed with Ray Dalio's statement. Recently, Bloomberg's senior commodity strategist Mike McLone said that watchdogs stepping up and shutting down Bitcoin is an almost impossible development. Quote, I have gone through those iterations numerous times. And how do you stop Bitcoin unless you change the laws of this country? The only way I see that real, what really stops Bitcoin is to ban the internet, end quote. Yeah, you do that, you'll watch cities burn. Comer also gave his two cents on Bitcoin's future price. He opined that giving a prediction is very difficult at the moment. However, because of the increasing adoption, Bitcoin going to zero is a scenario that no longer exists. Asked whether he supports Kathy Wood's opinion that the primary cryptocurrency's USD value could reach $500,000, Comer accepted it as an option. He believes that the same factors that drove the asset to 50,000, higher adoption, widening community, and the growing number of wallets, could take it to the significant milestone of $500,000. Melanion Capital's executives spoke about one of the hottest topics among the crypto community, the correlation between Bitcoin and gold. Comer added his name to the list of prominent individuals, such as one of Apple's founders, Steve Wozniak, MicroStrategy's Michael Saylor, and Anthony Scaramucci, who see the digital asset as superior to the precious metal, you know, shiny metal rock. The Frenchman claimed that Bitcoin is better than gold as the latter is much more harmful to the environment. He even said the yellow metal is the worst asset in which we store our value today. Quote, I say the worst because it has a tremendous impact on our planet. The gold industry's job is to dig huge holes into the earth to search for super rare material and then extract it using mercury and devastating chemical products. Bitcoin is definitely better than gold, which has the same property. It does the same thing, and it avoids all these bad things that gold does, end quote. That's the end of the article, but I will add this. It also is transportable. I can't send you a chunk of gold through my iPhone right now. You know, until you get transporter technology, that shit ain't ever going to happen. So just let that sink in. Now, finishing off, Definity to launch Bitcoin smart contracts on the internet computer. Uh, uh, Adriana Homaker has got this one for Decrypt. The Definity Foundation, which is behind the internet computer blockchain, I know you're gagging right now. Check this out, though. They announced on Tuesday that they will be integrating with Bitcoin. Are you laughing now? (laughs) Opening up the cryptocurrency to smart contracts. Yeah, we already had them. And decentralized finance applications. We can already do that. Uh, On its network by the end of the year, internet computer smart contracts will gain access to Bitcoin liquidity. And Bitcoin will gain powerful new smart contract functionality without the need for insecure and cumbersome trusted bridging services, said Definity founder Dominic Williams in a statement accompanying the announcement. A DeFi ecosystem for Bitcoin is a major industry initiative. It would mean the world's most popular cryptocurrency could be used for lending, yield farming, derivatives, liquidity pools, and more, just like the current industry leader, Ethereum. The internet computer is designed to act as an alternative to the cloud-based infrastructure of today's World Wide Web and was launched in May, having been in development since 2016. Its ambitious aim is to transform the the internet into a giant global computer that will take on the $370 billion cloud computing market by enabling secure, decentralized versions of popular applications such as LinkedIn, TikTok, and WhatsApp. Key to this goal is smart contracts and interoperability with the wider web. 
as well as different blockchain networks, which will enable different prices of software to talk to each other seamlessly. To achieve this, the internet computer is powered by novel chain key cryptography that allows it to sign transactions for other blockchains, such as Bitcoin, said Williams. Since its launch four months ago, Dfinity claims that the internet computer has processed more than 200 million blocks, far more than any other blockchain. But Dfinity is not the only project working to integrate Bitcoin. Bridging technologies are the most popular method of doing so up till now. DeFi Project Portal is also looking to build out a DeFi eco ecosystem for Bitcoin. On Tuesday, it announced an $8.5 million raise with Coinbase Ventures and Arrington XRP Capital participating in the funding round. We're excited to see Portal Bitcoin native approach to multi-chain transfers go live and provide an alternative bridging mechanism to the growing number of active on-chain users. Michael Arrington, founder of Arrington XRP and TechCrunch stated, Jesus, this is good. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm beside myself here. In November, Bitcoin is due for its first big upgrade in several years. Dubbed Taproot, the changes will make it easier for smart contracts to be created on the protocol. Bitcoin fan Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter and payments company Square, is keen to take advantage. In July, he announced that Square is working on a DeFi platform to integrate Bitcoin and dubbed TBD. But all the activity was, has also captured the attention of regulators. They have raised concerns about the security and accountability of projects and looking to be doubling down on their vigilance of the sizzling hot DeFi space. So what have we learned, ladies and gentlemen? Well, we've learned that Bitcoin won and that we were always right all along. Why? How can I tell? Because shitcoiners are begging, are literally on their knees begging for attention from the Bitcoin. The Bitcoin. No, really. That's what's going on here. They're, they, they know that the writing is on the wall for their individual projects. And if that they don't hook up with Bitcoin and quote unquote show their worth they will go the way of the dodo. So what's the prediction here? Well, I kind of predict that as more and more sushi swap, uh, DeFi derivative bullshit, peach-based, you know, peach pie-based contracts get hacked, the more and more these projects are going to try to figure out a way to integrate with their, their bullshit scam with Bitcoin. Watch out, because the scammers are never going to stop scamming. They're just going to try to integrate with Bitcoin, whether by name or somehow by technology, just so that they can continue their scams. Okay, that's the way that this is going. Uh, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, man. It is, what is today? Is today Thursday? Yep. Today is Thursday. Wow, dude, coming close to the end of the week already. Flying by. Um, well, I got a dad says jokes for you. I sued the airport for misplacing my luggage. I lost my case. Yeah, you knew that shit was coming, right? Okay, so uh, again, I want to thank everybody for the support that y'all have showed me this week. Ever since Monday, uh, when I just flat out said, you know what? I'm just going to ask for help. Uh, you guys have. You guys stepped up to the plate, and and I'm I'm honored. I'm humbled. It's 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 awesome to see 
Anyway, I'm not going to belabor the point. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.